Welcome to the Innovative Learning Strategies Podcast, a resource to help improve your organization's learning and development efforts. Here are your hosts, Stephanie Hubka and Christina Eames. Hello, fellow innovators. I'm Stephanie Hubka, and I am the managing partner at Protos Learning. Hello, everyone. I'm Christina Eames with Eames Training. And we are so excited to welcome you back for another episode, mostly because I got to be honest, last week's episode on, well, actually, it was a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about content. That was one of the most, in my mind, requested episodes, mm-hmm. primarily because after our ATD session, we had just tons of, co- of questions about where you start with content. If there were a second level, a next most asked question, it would have been on technology. So I'm really excited that we're going to spend today chatting about technology with you because podcast technology is kind of a tough one when it comes to where to start, where you might want to grow, what you might want to grow into, and how to make sure you end up with a podcast that sounds as good and professional as possible. Hmm. Couple of different areas to look into today. We're going to talk first about the hardware, the stuff you need to acquire in order to make sure that you have that podcast sounding the way you want it. We're also going to talk about software. That's going to take us into a few different areas. And I think we probably are going to touch a little bit on budget. Don't you think? Yes. Because yes. that's another area where a lot of people have questions and there are ways to spend very little on great equipment. There are also places where you could spend as much money as you've got on great equipment. Does it matter though? We'll probably talk a little bit about that too. So why don't we start with hardware? Hardware, I guess, is probably a little bit easier to define because what we're really talking about are microphones and headsets. So Why don't we do that? Chris, why don't you walk us through what your, let's call it what your studio looks like. What are some of the types of equipment that maybe where you started and what you're using today? Awesome. Now, before we do get started, I want to mention that we have no affiliation with any of the products or services that we are talking about. These are just personal experience. What, what we, we use. what we've discovered we like yes. and what we use. Yeah. Yes. That's a very good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. So now we live in different areas. Yes. I live more city. Yep. You live more suburban. Uh, I would call us country? the exurbs of Washington, <laughs> DC. <laughs> I can see farms from here. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, so, the, so this kind of plays in a little bit as yeah. well yeah. Uh, to my evolution. So like <laughs> most people, I started out with a Yeti mic mm-hmm. for podcasting. It's a good place to start. Yeah. I went to using my Yeti mic and then I invested in a sound booth. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did, which was great. However, you could still hear police sirens and stuff because of where I was. Yeah. Uh, so evolving into, well, I know there's more the studio than the mic. I actually right, started right. out, actually, I should mention, I started out uh, just audio only. Yeah. So it was just a mic. Um, and then the sound booth I was trying to cover. And then I discovered this amazing headset from one of our guests on, I think it was the Beltway broadcast. It was podcast. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually a, for those that can, that are viewing, it's a sports casters, I mm-hmm. think, or a broadcaster broadcast. headset. Yeah. It, Cause it helps one, it's got good sound quality. Yeah. And two, headphones, which are extremely important across the board anyway, which we'll get into. Um, 
but it also helps me from getting distracted with all of the sounds near me in the city. And it is built to be uh, in noisy environments. Yes. So it isolates my voice and it doesn't catch all of the police sirens, the honking, the whatever, the planes going by. <laughs> the world happening the outside world your window. The world happening outside. Yes. <laughs> now share a little bit about... Oh, oh, I also forgot. So we're now on video. Yes. I have a nice little... Um, El, I think it's Elgato. Uh, Elgato. I don't know how you say it. It's E-L-G-A-T-O light right. that I can adjust uh, with my phone or online or I mean, or my computer. I can adjust the the warmth, the brightness, the anything like that. All the good stuff. Yes. And then, of course, a good webcam. Yeah. But as we know, the most important thing is audio. Absolutely There's right. Studies uh, about credibility. Yes. And poor audio can lead to poor credibility. There, what about you? Well, first, I, I want to echo what you just said. Because of all of the things that you can invest in, and this is really that budgetary consideration, of all of the things that you can spend your money on, a microphone is going to be the most important. Yes. Now, there are a lot of different mics out there. And to your point too, Chris, I also started with the Yeti. I bought the Yeti because it came in the color blue, which is my favorite color. <laughs> I didn't know anything about microphones. The only thing I really understood to be true is that an external microphone was going to give you better sound quality than, say, your computer microphone, yes. whatever might be built into you know, a desktop or a laptop, or anything that might come from, say, your, your AirPods or earbuds or anything you know, kind of in that realm. I understood that I needed some sort of a standalone microphone. So the Yeti came in my favorite color and I thought, let's do it. It's going to look great in my office. Now, I started podcasting uh, not in a soundproof studio or a sound dampening studio or anything like that. I began my work in a closet. I mm. had, again, kind of read online that closets can be really good as yes. far as uh, some of the the audio characteristics. They, you know, you're not going to get a lot of of your vo your voice uh, bouncing off of the walls or anything like that. So setting yourself up in a space where you're going to get the kind of vocal quality you're looking for is important. But yeah, it was me and a headset and well, earphones and a Yeti in a closet. And we stayed like that for about a year and a half. Hmm. Where I have kind of progressed to, um, as I discovered that I really enjoyed podcasting and wanted to make that a little bit more of how I was spending my time, I created what I call the studio, but it's not really. I'm in a corner of my basement now. And, you know, all that really means is I've taken this little wall divider and I've used it to create a little bit of a nook for myself. Now, in this nook, I've got my desktop computer. So I run and everything and record off of a Mac. I've upgraded the microphone. This right here is a Rode Procaster. And if you do any homework on microphones, first of all, Rode has some great ones. Uh, yes. Again, not sponsored by them in any way. Just tried a few and found this is the one I like. I have this one on a boom arm. So rather than anything that sits on my desk anymore, uh, I like the fact that I wasn't constantly bumping it. Sometimes those yes. noises get picked up by a microphone. So I've got, I've got this on a nice boom arm and the Procaster actually connects into a mixer. 
This is the part where if you are brand new to podcasting, you maybe will listen with some interest, but don't feel that this is where you should or even really could start. Yes. I acquired this mixer from my dad. My dad Mm -hmm. has been a musician for years as a hobbyist. He has a couple of mixers that he really likes and he replaced the one that I currently have with a new one. I was the beneficiary. I brought this home, (laughs) spent four hours with YouTube learning how to use it. And to this day, I'm still wondering if I'm doing it right. But that's the beauty of all of this, right? It's a wonderful learning curve. So Mm -hmm. I use a mixer. One of the nice things, if you do go down that route, there are some really complex ones. There are also some really basic ones. If you go down the mixer route though, what that allows you to do is to have a little bit more control over the quality of the audio that you are recording. You can do a lot with editing software, which is where we're heading to next. But if you start with great audio, you can do even more once you get into editing. And so that for me became a reason for spending a little extra time. I can't say money in this case since I did get this one from my dad for free, but it did give me what I was looking for, which was the ability to capture a better sound from my microphone. Yeah. And for headphones, um, these headphones, I, these are Sennheisers. Um, mm-hmm. I got them mostly because I have some other Sennheiser products that I like. They were not terribly expensive. When I am editing though, I don't typically use these. I actually use noise canceling headphones. And you're going to talk to different people perhaps about their preferences when it comes to editing. There are a lot of people I think will tell you not to use noise canceling headphones when you're editing. I like them because for me, I'm not going to hear any background noise when I'm, yeah. when I'm editing. I'm only hearing what was picked up by anyone's microphone. Yeah. And I find that isolating that noise is a little faster for me when it comes to the editing process. Oh, that was eye opening for me, actually. Yeah. Because I used to, when I first started, I I edited just for my n- normal computer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speakers. Yeah. And my daughter was listening to one of my podcasts and she's like, I keep hearing your phone buzz. I'm like, what? <gasps> oh, what are you talking about? And so I, I actually went back and listened to the episode with headphones on. I was yep. like, oh my gosh, you could hear so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one other thing too, I think maybe we should talk about. So budget wise, if you're going to spend money, spend it on a decent mic. At least you don't have to go all out uh, in the beginning, Yeah, but some things to avoid. Mm. So some of the, uh, the headsets, which aren't bad. I mean, some of them are, I mean, I would say maybe $50 or less. Yeah. Those headsets be very careful with the mics because they can pick up your breathing. Oh, without question. Yes. Other things too, I've (laughs) noticed people show up to our podcast and maybe uh, the headphones that go in, I mean, the earbuds that go in your ear and there's a mic on the cord. Mm -hmm. Be very careful with that because that is that rubs against things. It doesn't sound as good and it's not as uh, noise canceling as others. So really look into things, maybe try them out, look at the reviews. Yeah. There are some some no-gos though, and, and those are a couple of them. Anything you would add to the list as a no-go for equipment? No, I, I think that's a really good place to start. Anytime you can get a standalone microphone is probably yes. going to be the best bet. And along those lines, I think 
to your point too, Chris, it doesn't have to be a terribly expensive mic. Yeti is pretty well known in the industry. And I think it's a lot of the reason that many people start with a Yeti. Some people stay with the Yeti, by the way. There's nothing wrong with picking that up, especially if you're going to be doing a podcast that, you know, perhaps you're not expecting to monetize it. It's going to be more internal. You've got a little bit more flexibility there. They have a couple of different ranges. Some of the Yetis are as low as 40 or $50, and you may be yeah. able to find them cheaper than that on some sites. I've been very happy with the quality of those. In mm-hmm. fact, when I was ready to upgrade to the road, I ended up taking the Yeti over, and I use that now in my office for Zoom. So yep. a lot, if you happen to have something that you're using for Zoom, even it may be already in place for you. So yeah. if you are going to spend money, I agree. The microphone is the place to go. You can get by with headphones that aren't ideal. You can get by, in fact, with most other components of a tech setup that are not going to be ideal. You are definitely going to want to make sure that that microphone is as good as you can get it. And as good as you can get it does not actually have to cost a lot of money. Yes. So yeah, it's hardware is honestly, it's a fun space to learn about. I learned quite a bit about, you know, even things like lighting. I didn't talk a whole lot about my lighting setup, but mostly because lighting and webcam, I'm actually still experimenting with as far as what I like and what works (laughs) for me. I've got a couple of studio lights now that I turn on and off. And depending on the day, I like one better than another. Uh, (laughs) You really can have a lot of fun. I highly recommend talking with people about what works for them. I even recommend going to YouTube. And checking out recommendations there, getting a sense as to how other people might be lighting a space. It might give you a few ideas and you may be able to put some of those into practice for little to no money whatsoever. So hardware is in a lot of ways the fun space, but that is not to say that software can't be fun. So we should talk a little bit about the software that we use. And really when it comes to software, there are kind of a, I guess I'd say even three categories of, of software that you might find yourself using. You're going to need to record. So when you're thinking about your podcast, you'll want to think about how you are actually recording it, what software, what platform you're using. You're going to need to edit that podcast. So that comes into play too. And then there's also getting your podcast out there. What distribution platforms are you going to yes. use? Why don't we start from the beginning? of all of that. Let's talk about how we pick a platform or what you might have available to you as far as recording. So I know for you, Chris, you've really used, I think it's one or two different platforms for the podcast that you have. Is that right? Yes. It's okay. been an evolution. Has it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like I knew, <laughs> Yes. I knew from guesting on other podcasts that I did not want to use uh, something like Zoom. Yep. Nothing wrong with it. However, anytime there's internet issues, you know, or a video lag, yeah. uh, and it doesn't record. Well, I think now it records separate tracks, maybe audio or something. I don't. I believe some platforms do, like the meeting yeah. software. In some yeah. cases, you can get separate tracks. But internet issues pop up. With they that. do indeed. Yes. So now, if you are only recording yourself, yeah. Open up. You know, like I don't know. Camtasia, or uh, if you're using, you know, uh, video, if you're only recording audio, maybe audition or whatever. Yep. We'll talk about those. Yeah. Right. But the recording platforms, though, um, I, I, I have found I prefer Riverside.fm mm. the most because it seems to one, it, because we're involving guests, I yeah. only have to send one link to guests. So you can automate the workflow with that. 
Whereas a platform I used to use, Zencaster, you would have to go in and create a link for each different guest and then go in and update the calendar invite. Right. So one, there's one room, you can have people hold them in a green room or a waiting room before you bring them on, Yeah, which is nice. You only send out the one link and it records everything locally. Mm-hmm. And from the backside, I can see who's logged in with what and I can help them if they have tech issues. Yeah. So just evolution. That's the one that I prefer. There are so many options though. What about you? You know, I love that you mentioned what you did about being able to help guests as far as their tech issues. It's one of the reasons that using a platform like Riverside can be really helpful. Yeah. I use Riverside myself. I, I've used a couple of different platforms and found Riverside to be, for the most part, the most reliable when it comes to getting the quality of the audio file I'm looking for. So when it comes to that side of things, there are a couple of different formats you're, you're going to record in. MP3s uh, will certainly work, but if you can record in WAV files, so that's the WAV files, that's actually going to be a higher quality audio file than an MP3. Yeah. It's going to make a difference for you as you get a little more sophisticated with your editing. Uh, so I do like the fact that you can get those you know, WAV files available to you. I got to say though, If you are on a budget and you are not quite sure if you want to invest in a platform like that, what I have done with one of my podcasts for years is record separate audio files. Mm -hmm. The pro to this on, you know, at the very top of the list of pros, you don't have to worry about spending any money. If you and anyone else will be on that podcast, a co-host, a guest, or anybody else has access to the audio software, you can record your tracks for free. It's a little extra work when it comes to editing and syncing up those files, but you can do it if you have no budget. There are downsides to that though. If you have a guest who doesn't usually record in that way and they forget to hit record. (laughs) We've been down that road before. That can happen. (laughs) You lose a little bit of control over that experience. Now, if you happen to be recording with someone in the same room or the same office or something like that, you might be able to check those things a little bit more easily. So I want to mention that because especially if you're trying to decide if podcasting is going to be right for you, your organization, your message... Start with what's affordable, start with what's free and grow into things like these platforms that are going to automate, make things a lot easier for you. But no need to spend that money up front if you don't have to. Maybe give it a couple of episodes and see how you're feeling. But that's what we do for recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of like Riverside, Zencaster, they have free accounts. You They're just limiting. They do. So go test them out. See if that fits your needs as well. So don't don't stay away from them because they may be cost prohibitive because... They could offer you uh, free stuff. They might yeah. give you just enough playground to s- decide whether or not that's a space that you're going to want to be in. Exactly. Completely yeah. agree. So yeah, there's a lot of space as far as what you can do for actually recording your files. So then the question is, what do you do when you have them? So as I mentioned, ideally, you want to get WAV files. They're going to be the best as far as what editing is going to look like and how much flexibility and control you have to make sure that your audio sounds as good as it does. And when it comes to editing, there are free options as well as paid options. Chris, you're a fan of Audition, Adobe Audition, right? I know I am. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's just so easy to learn. I'm all self-taught. Did you find it easy to learn? Yeah. I have had a lot of questions about that. To be honest with you, I had a learning curve 
when it came to Audition. I was relatively new to some of Adobe's products. I think part of my learning curve also is that it was four in the morning when I started learning and I may have been just the tiniest bit sleepy. Podcasting works into your schedule wherever you want it to. And sometimes it's four in the morning. For me, that was one of the challenges uh, that I had. Some of it being just that things like Adobe Audition are pretty powerful. You've got a lot of options when it comes to what you can and can't do. And I will say this, although we're not really going to focus our episode today on how to use Audition, whether you pick Audition or you pick any other editing platform, the more time you spend getting to know it and what it can do, the better quality audio you can have. Audition, for example... You can do all sorts of noise reduction. I've recorded where I've worked with guests or even, you know, in some cases, if you're not recording in a space you're usually in, I've removed fans and air conditioners from the background. (laughs) I've removed barking dogs and ringing phones, lots of ringing phones. There are a lot of different things that you can do if you know or kind of not only how to do it, but what you're listening for and what's going to be the fastest and most, you know, easy way for you to remove anything that might be what I'd consider to be almost a nuisance sort of sound. You know, something I would add to editing too is it depends on the purpose of your podcast. Mm. So unless a sound, so I have, I don't know, maybe gotten a little bit lazier as the years have gone on. (laughs) But first of all, so if you invest in decent equipment, yeah, less editing. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and I think with the advent of uh, you know that three years that most people worked from home and still are maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think people are more open to having life pop in to certain situations, right? So I tend to not edit out noises unless they are repetitive or yeah. become too distracting. Like we had one guest who had a pen. I don't have one with me because I don't keep them near me when we're recording, but he was clicking it constantly. That became a distraction. So I edited it out as much as I could. But otherwise, I don't do a lot of editing because I think people are more... Well, one, we have good setups and our guests are coming a little more sophisticated with their setups as well. Yeah, I agree. And it's also going to be a space where you have a little bit of creative control. So there may be sounds that you listen to that drive you bonkers and you got to get rid of them. Sharp breaths, for example, things like that. You may also have a pretty good tolerance for that sort of thing. So it really is going to determine how you want to approach editing. One thing I want to mention, though, before we talk about distribution, when it comes to editing, we've talked about Adobe Audition. We both absolutely love it. It works well for both of us. There are also other options out there. Audacity is one that I want to mention specifically. I first learned audio editing from Audacity, which is freeware. Available Mm -hmm. completely for free. It's download not quite as sophisticated as something like Audition. If you do not have a subscription to Adobe Essentials or Adobe products of any kind, if you don't quite know if podcasting will be for you, if you don't know if editing will be for you, it's a good place to start something free that will give you a chance to sort of flex your creative muscles and your tech muscles in a way, see if you like it. And I want to mention one other option too. This is not a free option, most likely. If you don't know how to edit, 
if you don't have time to edit, if you don't want to learn how to edit and no one else on your team is willing or able to either. There are a lot of groups out there, companies that will edit podcasts for you. They are not always especially expensive. It is the kind of thing that you can bid out. I want to mention that as an opportunity though, because for some people, they get all the way up to how do I produce this thing? And that's where they're like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't do this. I don't have the tech muscle that I can flex here. Absolutely fine. That's where you call in the pros. So keep that in mind. If this is that spot where you're, you're thinking, I don't know what to do with this, you may not have to do a thing. If you've got the budget for it, editors are really good. And oftentimes, by the way, very quick. If you're Mm -hmm. thinking about things like quick turnarounds, getting this worked into whatever your production schedule looks like. Yeah. So quick worth mentioning. Yeah. Quick plug for a potential, uh, I don't want to say vendor, but yeah, uh, a location that I use um, or website, I should say to access stuff. Like I've had someone edit before graphics, voiceover artists, For our podcast, I usually go to fiverr.com and start oh, there. A smart place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, you may even have people in your network who can help too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. the options are endless if that becomes a space where you're thinking, I do not want to wade into those waters. Yeah. So <laughs> now that may be because the waters you do need to wade into are your distribution channels. Yes. And That's a spot where a lot of people often have questions. Okay, I've got this great episode. It's ready to go. How do I get it out there? There are a lot of different platforms available. And this primarily is going to be interesting to you if you're thinking of doing an external podcast. Yes. Internally, you may have a final audio file that you have produced and you're ready to share. And it might be a great fit for your LMS. It might be a link that lives on Microsoft Teams or you you toss it into Slack or something like that. Those channels might look a little bit different to you if you're thinking about how to get that in front of your internal audience. Externally, you want to get this on Apple, Amazon, Google, all of the different major players here you're probably going to need a distribution platform. And Chris, do you use one platform or two these days? You're primarily on Podbean these days, I think, right? Yes, Podbean. I started out with Blueberry and then I switched over to Podbean. I can't remember why, but at the time it it was a better... I just thought it was a better option. Sure. Um, Now, completely free. So you could do also video on Podbean. But if you want a completely free platform, just put it out on YouTube. That's a good recommendation. But if you want audio, something... I I mean, we we use Podbean for all of our podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, Except for... No, you use... Libsyn? Libsyn. Yes. That's right. Libsyn came highly recommended to me a long time ago. I've I've been using it for about three years now for Take to the Sky. I've had no issues at all. Truth be told, any of the platform opportunities that you're going to find out there are probably going to do the same thing for you. They're going to get you into the distribution channels you want to be in. But there are differences. And that, of course, is why there are so many players in the space. You are going to be looking for a couple of things. Pricing is certainly going to be a component for you. But with pricing, it's going to determine what you get from that platform. Some platforms are going to give you a lot of different things. They're going to give you website space, for example. You can create a website for free, you know, for that monthly fee that you might be paying that you can send people to as a landing page for your your episodes. You may also find that the hosting itself is going to change for different pricing. You might be able to have more or less hosting. 
if you're doing a couple of 20 minute episodes a month, you may need less than if you're doing, say, a couple of hour plus long episodes. Yeah. So that's going to be a consideration you're going to want to make. For the most part, though, many of these platforms will offer you a very similar experience as far as publishing an episode is concerned. Yeah. I think it's worth the time to investigate a couple. We've mentioned a few that we've liked. There are a lot of others out there, though. So again, not being affiliated or sponsored by any of these, we highly recommend taking a look at what's out there. Asking friends or colleagues what they might be using can be a really good starting point because you'll get some good first-person testimonials as to what that interface is like. Nice. Yeah. Well, and if you are wondering, okay, well, what headsets, what links, what are, what are we, wh how do I access all, <laughs> all of, of the these? Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we told you about that uh, earlier that, well, and in the last couple of episodes as well, that mini course that we created completely free, mm -hmm. complimentary, go to it. Yep. Uh, we have a whole list of links for both hardware and software. InnovativeLearningStrategies.com. There you go. I was like, <laughs> Steph, give us the link. <laughs> That's where you're going to want to go. Yeah. Yes. You'll look up other resources, find our mini courses. And in fact, we have a PDF that links out to a number of the different solutions that we've put into place, yes. hardware, software, and otherwise. A good starting place. And of course... Like we've said a couple of times, you do want to spend a little bit of time doing some research where you can. Yeah. Lots of different options. And that's what's really exciting about podcasting right now. There are new cool things coming onto the market all the time. Yes. Just because we've got a couple of things that have worked well for us doesn't mean that there aren't others out there. And in fact, we'd love to hear from you if you've got some favorites that you'd like yeah. to share. Because honestly, you you might find one that works for you up to a point and another one that's going to grow better with you in the future. All of that is going to come into play as you continue building what your podcast experience is going to look like. Oh, great advice. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to your technology. But like I said, I really love tech because I feel like this is where a lot of the great creativity comes in. You don't always think about technology as being that creative space when it comes to podcasting. But I know, you know, Chris, between the two of us, we've not only had a chance to try a lot of things, but I feel like the two of us have also grown as yes. far as our approach to technology is concerned. And frankly, what we know about it just by saying, Hey, podcast guests, that headset looks cool. Where'd you get that? <laughs> you never yes. know. You never know. <laughs> Your next favorite uh, equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so we're thrilled you're here with us for another fun episode of the Innovative Learning Strategies podcast. Again, visit our website. Take a few moments to look for that PDF. Check out some of those online courses. We will see you back here though in a couple of weeks with another episode. We hope you learned a lot from today's episode. 